welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and other selves all over the world. If not though, it's okay, but let us continue to work on being loved to ourselves and being loved to others at every opportunity given us. And we will soon realize that being sincere love is not so complicated as we sometimes tend to make it. When we stay focused on our own mighty I Am Presence, instead of dwelling in the darkness and negativity of the outer world of mankind's existence. Amen. On another note, we are coming to the conclusion of Isis Unveiled, Volume 1. And for those of you who may have read it all the way through with me, we did a great job. And hopefully, we have all learned a lot about ourselves and the collective. Or remembered some things. Maybe. I know I certainly have learned a lot. And I give thanks and praises to my I Am Presence for keeping me focused and always interested the knowledge given and I'm looking forward to volume two and I pray that those of you who stayed the course are looking forward to it too. Comments and questions are welcome y'all and hopefully we can all work together to ask them. And as always, do your own research. Give thanks and praises for love and life and y'all be loved. God in his wisdom, having resolved to create man, he asked counsel of all around him before he proceeded to execute his purpose, an example to man, be he never so great and distinguished, not to scorn the advice of the humble and lowly. First God called upon heaven and earth, then upon all other things he had created, and last upon the angels. The angels were not all of one opinion. The angel of love favored the creation of man, because he would be affectionate and loving, but the angel of truth opposed it, because he would be full of lies. And while the angel of justice favored it, because he would practice justice, the angel of peace opposed it, because he would be quarrelsome. To invalidate his protest, God cast the angel of truth down from heaven to earth, and when the others cried out against such contemptuous treatment of their companion, he said, truth will spring back out of the earth. The objections of the angels would have been much stronger, had they known the whole truth about man. God had told them only about the pious, and had concealed from them that there would be reprobates among mankind, too. And yet, though they knew but half the truth, the angels were nevertheless prompted to cry out, What is man, that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man, that thou visitest him? God replied, The fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, what were they created for? Of what avail a larder full of appetizing dainties, and no guest to enjoy them? And the angels could not but exclaim, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth! Do as is pleasing in thy sight. 
for not a few of the angels their opposition bore fatal consequences. When God summoned the band under the archangel Michael, and asked their opinion on the creation of man, they answered scornfully, What is man, that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man, that thou visitest him? God thereupon stretched forth his little finger, and all were consumed by fire except their chief Michael. And the same fate befell the band under the leadership of the archangel Gabriel, he alone of all was saved from destruction. The third band consulted was commanded by the archangel Labiel. Taught by the horrible fate of his predecessors, he warned his troop, You have seen what misfortune overtook the angels who said what is man, that thou art mindful of him? Let us have a care not to do likewise, lest we suffer the same dire punishment. For God will not refrain from doing in the end what he has planned. Therefore it is advisable for us to yield to his wishes. Thus warned, the angel spoke, Lord of the world, it is well that thou hast thought of creating man. Do thou, create him according to thy will. And as for us, we will be his attendants and his ministers, and reveal unto him all our secrets. Thereupon God changed Labiel's name to Raphael, the rescuer, because his host of angels had been rescued by his sage advice. He was appointed the angel of healing, who has in his safekeeping all the celestial remedies, the types of the medical remedies used on earth. When at last the ascent of the angels to the creation of man was given, God said to Gabriel, Go and fetch me dust from the four corners of the earth, and I will create man therewith. Gabriel went forth to do the bidding of the Lord, but the earth drove him away, and refused to let him gather up dust from it. Gabriel remonstrated, Why, O earth, dost thou not hearken unto the voice of the Lord, who founded thee upon the waters without props or pillars? The earth replied and said, I am destined to become a curse, and to be cursed through man, and if God himself does not take the dust from me, no one else shall ever do it. When God heard this, he stretched out his hand, took of the dust of the ground, and created the first man therewith. Of set purpose the dust was taken from all four corners of the earth, so that if a man from the east should happen to die in the west, or a man from the west in the east, the earth should not dare refuse to receive the dead and tell him to go whence he was taken. Wherever a man chances to die, and wheresoever he is buried, there will he return to the earth from which he sprang. Also, the dust was of various colors, red, black, white, and green, red for the blood, black for the bowels, white for the bones and veins, and green for the pale skin. At this early moment the Torah interfered. She addressed herself to God, O Lord of the world. The world is thine, thou canst do with it as seemeth good in thine eyes. But the man, thou art now creating, will be few of days and full of trouble and sin. If it be not thy purpose to have forbearance and patience with him, it were better not to call him into being. God replied, Is it for not I am called long-suffering and merciful? The grace and loving-kindness of God revealed themselves particularly in his taking one spoonful of dust from the spot where in time to come the altar would stand, saying, I shall take man from the place of atonement, that he may endure. The care which God exercised in fashioning every detail of the body of man is as not in comparison with his solicitude for the human soul. The soul of man was created on the first day, for it is the spirit of God moving upon the face of the waters. Thus, instead of being the last, man is really the first work of creation. This spirit, or, to call it by its usual name, the soul of man, possesses five different powers. By means of one of them she escapes from the body every night, rises up to heaven, and fetches new life thence for man. With the soul of Adam, the souls of all the generations of men were created. They are stored up in a promptuary, in the seventh of the heavens, whence they are drawn as they are needed for human body after human body. 
The Legends of the Jews, by Louis Ginsberg, 1909. Isis Unveiled, Chapter 15. After having devoted their whole lives to the study of the records of the old Egyptian wisdom, both Champollion Fijak and Champollion, Jr., publicly declared, notwithstanding many biased judgments hazarded by certain hasty and unwise critics, that the books of Hermes truly contain a mass of Egyptian traditions which are constantly corroborated by the most authentic records and monuments of the Egypt of the hoariest antiquity. Closing up his voluminous summary of the psychological doctrines of the Egyptians, the sublime teachings of the sacred hermetic books, and the attainments of the initiated priests in metaphysical and practical philosophy, Champollion Fijac inquires, as he well may, in view of the then attainable evidence, whether there ever was in the world another association or, or caste of men which could equal them in credit, power, learning, and capability, in the same degree of good or evil? No, never. And this caste was subsequently cursed and stigmatized only by those who, under I know not what kind of modern influences, have considered it as the enemy of men and science. At the time when Champollion wrote these words, Sanskrit was, we may say, almost an unknown tongue for science. But little in the way of a parallel could have been drawn between the respective merits of the Brahmins and the Egyptian philosophers. Since then, however, it has been discovered that the very same ideas, expressed in almost identical language, may be read in the Buddhistic and Brahmanical literature. This very philosophy of the unreality of mundane things and the illusion of the senses, whose whole substance has been plagiarized in our own times by the German metaphysicians, forms the groundwork of Kapila's and Vyasa's philosophies and may be found in Gautama Buddha's enunciation of the Four Truths, the cardinal dogmas of his doctrine. P. Mander's expression he has become a god is epitomized in the one word, nirvana, which our learned orientalists most incorrectly consider as the synonym of annihilation. This opinion of the two eminent Egyptologists is of the greatest value to us if it were only as an answer to our opponents. H. P. Blavatsky The Champollions were the first in Europe to take the student of archaeology by the hand, and, leading him on into the silent crypts of the past, proved that civilization did not begin with our generations, for though the origins of ancient Egypt are unknown, she is found to have been at the most distant periods within the reach of historical research, with her great laws, her established customs, her cities, her kings and gods, and behind, far behind these same epochs, we find ruins belonging to other still more distant and higher periods of civilization. At Thebes, portions of ruined buildings allow us to recognize remnants of still anterior structures, the materials of which had served for the erection of the very edifices which have now existed for 36 centuries. Everything told us by Herodotus and the Egyptian priests is found to be exact, and has been corroborated by modern scientists, adds Champollion. Whence the civilization of the Egyptians came, will be shown in volume 2, and in this respect it will be made to appear that our deductions, though based upon the traditions of the secret doctrine, run parallel with those of a number of most respected authorities. There is a passage in a well-known Hindu work which may well be recalled in this connection. Under the reign of Viswamitra, first king of the dynasty of Somavanga, in consequence of a battle which lasted five days, Manuvina, heir of the ancient kings, being abandoned by the Brahmins, emigrated with all his companions, passing through Arya, and the countries of Barya, till he came to the shores of Masra, history of India, 
by Kalawukabata. Unquestionably this Manu Vina and Minis, the first Egyptian king, are identical. Arya, Isaran, Persia, Waria, Isarabia, and Masra, was the name of Cairo, which to this day is called, Masar, Musar, and Misro. Phoenician history names Maser as one of the ancestors of Hermes. H. People of Atsuki. The I Am Discourses, Volume 15. The loved ones of God's heart, I come in response to the request of the cosmic law and I bring to you activities of the angelic host that I trust will make your way easier, and leave with you the blessings that love wants you to have. May you feel the reality and the power of those activities of the angelic host which are ever awaiting an opportunity to bring manifestations into the physical world that establish perfection for eternity. Great is the love of those mighty beings. And great is the opportunity for their assistance to mankind, when some will give them the attention of the outer self, and the call of the heart for their love from their realm of life, to come and abide with the children of earth, that they may know what the love of the mighty heart of creation means to the universe around them. It is my privilege to open the door into our realm of light. I trust you will be conscious of its more dazzling presence ever about you. May you feel its healing radiance and love to command in this world, all that you contact to yield to you the perfection of God. The realm of the angelic host is magnificent and beautiful and powerful beyond anything that we can describe to you, but we want you to feel, through your own feeling world, the power of our light which is our love from the great central sun, brought to earth to assist those who look Godward, and are trying to reach up and hold to perfection. The power of the angelic host is that always of love, and the sacred fire which is the concentration of that love into outer action comes forth ever at our command, to render assistance wherever possible. And now, since it is my privilege to have come into the lower atmosphere of earth, I bring to you the blessings and the awareness of those of the angels and the other beings of the angelic host, who are awaiting an opportunity to clothe you with power for more conscious cooperation. I trust you will feel our nearness. I trust you will use the light of our love in your outer activities, and I trust we shall make you feel our presence frequently, even in the midst of outer turmoil. The sacred fire and the eternal light of the love from our great realm of life is ever seeking an onward path through mankind in this world, where we may establish our perfection to take its dominion in the outer world's activities, until all behold us, face to face. Beloved Listening Angel In the mighty blessings that have come to you from the magnificent beings who have loved you so much, and loved you so long, and have been so patient with you throughout the ages, those beloved ones have called us into outer action to more quickly fulfill your calls and to establish a stronger guard about your activities. From the heights of creation ever flows the light of eternal love, and because mankind have created shadows in the human distress of the outer world, then the hour strikes when there must come from heights incalculable, the descent of the beings of the sacred fire, the descent of the light of eternal love, and the descent of power that is at once, instantly in full command. So, as we offer you from our great realm, the power of the angelic host, try to feel it very tangible within your own feeling world. Try to absorb it and feel the light of our power. Try to dwell within it, even though in the midst of outer chaos, and you will find it abiding by your side, those beings who love you and who love to protect you as you move forward in greater activity, to release the blessings that you are yet to give mankind en masse. You are the open door through whom great blessings will come to the people of earth, 
and I am one of the guardians of that door. At the present time I guard it alone, but there are others, who are in cosmic capacity, also the guard of that open door, if a guard is required. You represent that open door to mankind, so there must flow through, the light from our octave, that love alone creates. So, if you listen for the harmonies from our octave, as you hear them, you will see the light. Our love sings its way through creation and or produces the luminous beauty of everything that will bless mankind. And not one shadow comes forth from those who dwell within our realm. Beloved Listening Angel